I don't care. <laughs> I love these books. Just so you know where we stand on Louise Penny. Okay. And I'm a Canadian, so I really love these books. You're obligated to. <laughs> Wait, you have you have to love your family? You choose your friends? What? Is she your family? And I'm her friend? Yes. <laughs> we should drop this analogy now. <laughs> Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 79. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. This week, we're focusing on your summer reading list. We're talking about the books we can't wait to read this summer. And today I'm doing that with the help of my friend, Melissa Clausen. Melissa is one of my favorite people to talk books with, and she also helps make the magic happen behind the scenes here for What Should I Read Next and for Modern Mrs. Darcy. In this episode, we discuss what's so great about reading this season, and a lot of that applies no matter which hemisphere you're in. We talk about summer's big releases, the ones getting all the love from publishers and critics. We're covering the summer books we've already read that we can't wait for you to read too, and the books coming out later this summer that are on my TBR. I also give you a peek behind the scenes of the sixth annual Modern Mrs. Darcy Summer Reading Guide coming out May 17th, and I share a few of my favorite titles you'll find there. Let's get to it. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to talk books with you anytime, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. We talk books all the time, even before you started doing some publicity backend Excel masterminding for Modern Mrs. Darcy. Right. So <laughs> behind the scenes, I don't know. Do you want to talk a little about what you do? I think people are interested in how the how the sausage is made is kind of a gross analogy <laughs> yeah. of how the book magic happens. How's that? Okay. Um, one of the jobs that I do for Anne is I find out which books she recommends on either What Should I Read Next podcast or on the blog. And I then look to see if we have received those books as ARCs and we'll send a message to the publisher and say thank you for sending those to us. And the reason that's important is because when publishers love you, they send you the good stuff early, which is one reason that we can bring you like the titles we're most excited about in summer 2017 today. Not just like, oh, I hope that's amazing, but I've already read it and we can talk about it. So yay, that's what we're doing today. Melissa, here's a loaded question for you. Are you much of a reader? Yes, I would say that I am now. <laughs> Wait, seriously? I thought you always were. Um, as a teenager, I did love books, but didn't do a lot of reading. I, as a teenager, had a window seat in my bedroom um, with tons of cushions, and I did sit there to read once in a while. I also, one of my chores was being responsible for my entire family's laundry. So I would gather all of the laundry, start a load, and then sit on top and read while the laundry was going until I had to switch over the next load. Okay, the window seat and the sitting on the laundry. Because I didn't do laundry as a child. My mother did it all and my college roommate had to, I'm so sorry, listeners, that you have to hear this. But like true <laughs> confessions, my college roommate had to teach me how to do laundry when I was 18. So I dreamed of doing the laundry. And I dreamed of a window seat. Oh, well, I'm glad that you, it was so wonderful for you. That sounds like you always were a reader. Well, I mean, I guess I was, but maybe not. I didn't take it as seriously as I do now. 
So maybe that's the difference. You take it seriously? A fun kind of serious? Yes, it's my favorite hobby. Okay, what do you mean when you take it seriously? I like to spend as much time now reading as possible, whereas that was perhaps not the case 20 years ago. All the listeners said amen. (laughs) Awesome. Are you excited for summer reading season? I am. I love summer reading. Is it different for you? I typically now try to have a nonfiction and a fiction book going at the same time. I love reading to learn um, as well as for entertainment. And I think during the summer, I am in positions where I'm more easily distracted at the pool with kids at home. And so I would typically choose books in the summer that are easier to read and that I can fly through. Yes, I totally hear you on that. And that is one of the reasons that summer reading season is big around here. Um, What should I read next? This is our second summer reading season. And one of the reasons that it's so big around here is for exactly the reasons you say. Like we have a lot of students and a lot of teachers that are listeners and readers with us. And it's catch up time for them. Like it's fun time, not school time. And lots of people travel during the summer and you tend to read differently when you travel, whether that's different genres or even like I never use my Kindle harder than when I'm, say, in an airplane, as opposed to the milk crate full of books we take on vacation to the beach as we drive. (laughs) But still, it's different. And if you are south of the equator, we love you too. And we understand that maybe you're not going to be lounging by a pool with an umbrella drink when it's 94 degrees, but we love you too. And one of the reasons summer reading season is so great, even if maybe it's not your summer, is that this is always just a great season for books. Tons of wonderful titles come out by design in April, May, and June, and less so in July. And then we start to get more like into fall reads in August, but it's a huge season for reading. And you'll see a lot of big name authors that you know and love and much anticipated new authors have titles released during the season. So even if you're listening to this with a blanket wrapped around you and a cup of hot chocolate, there's still a good season of books on the way. That is not what I'll be doing though. So if you hear me talking about my beach in my pool, that is totally why, because I am in the upper South in the US. And That is what my summer reading is going to look like. But I do know that I don't usually kick off summer reading the way that most of you do. And do you know what you're going to be reading in the summer? I totally do. Okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to be reading all summer because we have a mix of a very long list of titles I cannot wait to get to, which is pretty typical. But also, I've been putting together the summer reading guide, which means that since about January, I've been reading what feels like nonstop contemporary fiction. And that is really, really awesome for a while. And then I start yearning for something really, really old because there is such a thing is, at least for me, as um, contemporary fiction burnout. So I have this accidental habit that turned into a tradition. I will be kicking off the summer with Jane Austen, um, depending on my level of fatigue, which is to be determined. We'll just see how many books it takes to cure me, but it's usually like two to maybe all six Jane Austen novels. I totally don't count the juvenilia. I do not find that restorative. I totally understand that need to jump back to some older fiction. Yes, because even in the summer, it's fun to go back and forth, and we'll get into that. So today we're going to talk about the books we can't wait to read this summer that are coming out in 2017, but we will also... I mean, we know the power of the backlist, and we believe in reading books that are more than six months old. So we'll get there too. Okay, Melissa, to give readers some idea of our tastes, let's start with this. What's the best book you've read this year? That is hard. 
I'm going to say the best book that I have read so far this year was The Story of a Brief Marriage. I've never heard of this book. Okay, tell us more. Okay. Um, I think I got, I, it was recommended by, I read it somewhere in the New York Times book review section. And it is a book based in Sri Lanka um, in the middle of a civil war. And it is both totally gut-wrenching and beautiful. There is a man who is an evacuee of an area and he has set up a makeshift camp for himself as he's trying to flee the war that's going on. And one day he is approached by an old man who proposes that Dinesh, the man, marry his daughter. And the story takes place over 24 hours. And Dinesh accepts the proposal. And it's about this very brief marriage and how in light of this new relationship, his daily interactions and simple things like eating and sleeping and trying to stay safe um, look very differently with, with this woman in his life. Do you have a favorite book you've read this year? Oh, it's so hard to pick one. Two titles stand out to me. One I know I've talked about on the podcast before, recommended it, and then I think Madeline Riley picked it as one of her favorites, but it's This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel. I actually, oh, you know what? I read this last year, but it came out in January, so I'm going to count it. And I I really love this book. I think it should get a little more love than it has, even though I've been happy to see it um, a lot on social media lately. Um, if you're interested it's a story about a family with a secret. Don't read the description. I think it's misleading. Um, it's what the book is about, but it's not what the book is truly about, if you get what I'm saying. And I just loved it so much. And then the second is, um, it's in the Summer Reading Guide, actually. It came out April 25th. It's by Frederick Bachman, who you may know from A Man Called Uva. It's called Beartown, and it's so good. And the writing style is similar to Uva, but the tone is completely different. Many people, and Uva's been on the podcast, like it's a serious topic, but it's also really whimsical, especially given what the book is about and Beartown there is no whimsy in Beartown but it's so good it's really intense I would imagine John Krakauer's Missoula if you know what that's about you'll start tracking with me immediately on why this novel is so hard but also so good so it's Missoula meets Megan Abbott's thriller you will know me and it's so good I'm really excited to read that one I can't wait for more people to read it so I can talk about it with you. I don't think I've talked to a single other pe person yet who's actually read that book, and I cannot wait to talk about it. Are you ready to dive into summer 2017 titles? I am. Let's do it. Okay, excellent. We are going to start by giving... Let's start with a handful of titles that are getting all the buzz for this summer. Now, they're not necessarily summer reading guide picks, and we'll get to that, but these have been much anticipated. Just a small example of how and why 2017 is shaping up to be a really great summer. Because, you know, they're not all really great summers. I remember in the past texting some of my bookseller friends, 2015 especially, which I think turned out to be okay, but we definitely didn't have the problem whittling down the list, texting my bookseller and book-loving friends going, have you read anything good lately that's coming out this year? And the answer being like, I know. 2017, we do not have that problem. Okay, so real quick, here are a few titles that publishers are falling over themselves with excitement about. 
The first is Into the Water by Paula Hawkins, the follow-up but not sequel to The Girl on the Train. Melissa, did you read that one? I did not. Do you feel like you're missing out? I've heard mixed reviews, but I think I will give it a try eventually. It would be a good summer book. I might have to add that to my list then. Okay, so Into the Water. It's already out. It came out May 2nd. And of course, after a debut like The Girl on the Train, people are very excited about what happens next with this one. I have read about half of it myself, and I'm going to leave it at that. But it has to do with a mystery involving a river and a small town and teenage girls. Yeah, that's all. Okay, moving moving on. The point of something like Into the Water or The Girl on the Train is a nice sense of mystery, and we are not going to wreck it for you. Okay, so Graeme Simpson is back. You may remember him from The Rosie Project. Did you read that one? I did. I loved it. I loved it too. Did you read The Rosie Effect? I did. I did not love that as much. My friend Lee Kramer was on the podcast in maybe a single digit episode way back at the beginning of 2016. Um, That was her hated book, The Rosie Effect. I felt like he was trying too hard in that one. I thought that when, when love went wrong in The Rosie Project, it was endearing and hysterical. And in The Rosie Effect, it was just really, really painful. So the best of Madam Sharp... The premise reminds me a little bit of Love is a Mixtape in that it's set, it's a story centered around music and these songs are the jumping off point. And some people are really excited about it. That just came out on May 9th. Okay, for another big and brand new title, we have a new Haruki Murakami story. And even though he's prolific, a new Murakami novel is still big news. So this is actually a short story collection. And it's called Men Without Women because there are seven stories in this book, and they're all about men who, for various reasons, have found themselves alone. I've actually never read any fictional Murakami. I've only read what we talk about when we talk about running, or it might be what I talk about when I talk about running. Have you read any Murakami? I have read 1Q84. and I want to read that. It was fascinating. It's super long too, right? It is. Like eight or 900 pages. That sounds like the kind of paperback that would go so well in my beach bag because it would take me all week to read it. Or perhaps a Kindle for that one. Oh, you know what? That's a really good point. I've heard some wonderful things about 1Q84 from What Should I Read Next listeners. And y'all have good taste. Okay, more exciting titles coming out this summer. We were going in order, but now we're backtracking because I forgot Anything is Possible by Elizabeth Strout. We had an episode back in, I think, April called The Book and Can't Shut Up About, and it was this one. It was Anything is Possible because I, without even realizing it, found myself gushing about this book to three different podcast guests in like a six or maybe even five-week span because it's so good. Um, You do not have to have read My Name is Lucy Barton to get this one, but Anything is Possible is a short story collection involving Lucy Barton and her family and friends and neighbors in the hometown that she came from in the Midwest. And when I first heard that Strout, who is also um, not a slouch when it comes to putting out fiction on a regular basis, when I heard that she was doing the short story collection around a Lucy Barton character, I thought, is this really a good idea? I don't know. I just wasn't grabbing the concept right off, but I read it and it totally works. It's really good. It deserves all the love it's getting. If my name is Lucy Barton wasn't the right tone for you, if you just didn't care, you're not going to care about anything as possible. But I think what I heard far more from you all is that you found 
My name is Lucy Barton, a really pleasant surprise. If that was you, definitely put this one on your list. It's short too, so you can't, most of our listeners wouldn't be able to get away with taking this one to the beach for a week. You would finish it on day one. And finally, we have another novel from Fiona Davis coming out August 1st. It is The Address, and she is the author of The Dollhouse, which I bought for my Kindle. Maybe I'll read it on an airplane this summer, um, but haven't read yet. But I've heard such good things, and I'm really excited about her follow-up because the premise sounds really interesting. It's about the characters, and I don't just mean the characters in this story, but the capital C characters who live at the Dakota in New York City, which is famous for all of the fascinating people who have lived there throughout the years. That's coming August 1st. Okay, so those are five titles getting a ton of buzz this publishing season, but that doesn't mean they're the ones you necessarily want to read. So that's why this is the sixth year at Modern Mrs. Darcy we put out a summer reading guide, and it's based on the premise that just because a book is a bestseller doesn't mean it's going to be the right book for you. So we have handpicked It's going to be 30 titles this year, which is a little on the long side, but we've hand-selected 30 titles. We've read them all front to back. We can talk about them. We can answer questions. We can can tell you if you love such and such book, then you should definitely read this new release coming out this summer. And it's a lot of fun. I can't wait to share it with you all. How has the summer reading guide changed from year to year? Ooh, it's changed a lot. Back when it first started, it was more of a guide to approaching the summer. You know how we talked about your mood is different and you might read differently in the summer. We talked about um, devices and tips and tricks and we don't do that anymore. Also, when the guide was first new, you know those titles I just shared that I was super excited are coming out in 2017. I would share the ones I was super excited about in the summer reading guide. But then what would happen is those books would come out during the course of the summer and I would read them. And half of them I would love and adore. And the other half, I would think, I can't believe I told people to read this. So I just feel really bad because it would be underwhelming. Or in one or two memorable cases, whose titles I will not throw under the bus today, um, they were just bad. So now we only recommend books that we have read. And we is, there are It's more than just me, including Melissa, that makes the magic happen at Modern Mrs. Darcy, but it's the royal we when I'm talking about the books that got read. So I will only recommend the books that I have read. And also, I only recommend the books that I have read and I really love. So I only recommend it because I really love it. We do not accept any kind of sponsorship for individual titles. We don't take paid placements. Um, I I learned in turning people down over repeatedly over the years for like, No, we don't take money to talk about books. Like we want this to be purely for the love of it, no mixed motives. I learned that that's called editorially driven, which means basically we talk about what we want to talk about because we want to talk about it. And that's not like a lot of summer reading guides out there. So I really want you all to know if we're talking about it, it's because we love it, at least in the summer reading guide, because on this podcast, we don't always talk about books we love. But in the summer reading guide, we're talking about it because we love it. What are this year's categories? Ooh, that's right, because we do break it down into categories every year. Just to give you some clue of, you know, if you're looking for something really beachy and breezy, you know where to turn. Or if you're looking for a really twisty thriller, you know which category to go to. Oh, these are fun. So what I always do is choose the books first and then see what categories emerge. 
some we have this year. We have a series of intense, mysterious kind of novels. We have twisty thrillers. We have a category called Families Are Complicated because that was the big theme there. We have one category with books that put a really fun spin on historical events, like a Jane Austen time travel novel that actually, to my great surprise, worked. It was actually really fun. So that's called History Plus. We have a total of six categories this year. And can you share a couple of titles that you're really excited about? I would be delighted to. Okay, let me think. What do I want to share? Well, first of all, we're reading a book that we've talked about on the podcast before. It is The Dry by Jane Harper. It came out in January. I think this is the oldest book in the Summer Reading Guide. And we are measuring in months when it comes to the Summer Reading Guide. The sweet spot for what we recommend is published between about March 15th and 4th of July. Although this year we went to July 11th because it turns out very few publishers actually want to release their books on a national holiday. But the reason we're going way back with this is because it was so good. It's the perfect kind of thing to read at the summer. Um, plot driven, suspenseful, really engaging. I know a lot of you love to read that kind of stuff during the summer reading season, as do I. And we are talking to the author in the Modern Mrs. Darcy book club this summer. So when we found out Jane Harper could talk with us, putting it in the guide was a no-brainer. We're also reading Beartown by Frederick Bachman, which I already told you about. And let me think. Another one that I'm super excited about is Hourglass by Danny Shapiro, which is a little more... It's different. So they're only two nonfiction books in this year's summer reading guide and hourglass is a memoir the subtitle is something like love memory marriage and this is probably one of those books that's difficult to describe in any way that doesn't sound completely boring but some of my favorite books are like that so i'm not going to sweat it too much but the way she talks about nearly missed chances and how important it is, not what mistakes we make in our life, but when we make them is completely fascinating and riveting. So even though it might sound kind of dry, you know, like love, memory, marriage, you could absolutely read this by the pool. No problem. Well, that's only three. You've seen the list early, Melissa. What are you excited about reading this summer? I am very excited about many of them. A couple of the ones that are at the top of my list are... I Found You by Lisa Jewell. It's a mystery, so I believe it fits into the twisty category. Um, The premise is cool, and some of the reviews say it's riveting to the last word. So that's super appealing to me. Um, Another one I'm excited about is The Fall of Lisa Bellows. There's a kidnapping story. It sounds to me like there are deep characters and a lot of emotion, and I love that in a good book. Okay, I have to pile on one more because I'm looking at the list and I realized that I've texted two friends this week to say, you've got to read this. So I feel like I need to tell you about it too. It is He Said, She Said by Erin Kelly. It's not what I thought it would be. So it's about a man and a woman who have made their life together. And they are both dedicated solar eclipse chasers. I didn't know that was a thing. So when the book opens, something has happened that has caused this couple to totally erase themselves from the internet. They're hiding from the world, but you don't know why. And in the course of the novel, you figure it out. So when you have um, 
a stalker and living off the grid and this pervasive sense of fear and being found and something that happened in the past that you slowly unravel, it's so good. Also, the cover is really great, which never hurts. And because I cannot help myself, I'm sharing one more. It's by Meg Donahue. I believe her first book was called How to Eat a Cupcake. And then she also wrote All the Summer Girls, which sounds like a summer read if there ever was one, although I haven't read it. But she had one come out on March 14th that is such good beachy summer reading. It's called Every Wild Heart. Um, If it sounds like a horsey kind of book, it is. There's a teenage girl who loves her horse, who falls off it, who has an accident and then... She has a personality change, but she finds her way back. But that is not what you need to know about that book. And ignore how that sounds maybe kind of lame and cheesy because it's good. The this is a mother daughter story and the main adult character. Her name is Gigi. She is a talk show host. This is what you need to know. She was 100 percent inspired by Delilah. If that doesn't make you want to read it, I don't know what else I can tell you, but it's really good if you like that sort of thing. Like if you like, um, say, Kristen Hanna novels, this is the book for you this summer. Okay. And on that note, before I give away the whole guide, we are going to stop and thank our sponsor. And is there anything else that you can't wait to read this summer? Yes. All the books that come out in July and August that are a little past the cutoff for the summer reading guide. So the first that I like know right now today that I'm going to be reading this summer is Where the Light Falls by Alison Pataki. And this is a novel about the French Revolution. She's really well known for writing really great historical fiction. Like she wrote The Accidental Empress that was really popular. And then she wrote one, this might be the one she's best known for. It's called The Traitor's Wife. It's about Peggy Arnold, the wife of Benedict Arnold that I hear is so good that I would really love to read and summer seems like a great time to do it. But her new one, Where the Light Falls, is historical fiction about the French Revolution, which sounds absolutely fascinating to me. That comes out July 11th. And also, I know we've talked about the knockoff on this podcast, which is just such fun. I'm going to use the genre word I hate to use, but you know what I'm talking about? It's such fun chiclet. We talked about that in the episode with Preston Yancey. And they have a new one coming out jointly together this summer called Fitness Junkie. And because I love the knockoff, I want to read this. It comes out on July 11th again, and it just seems like such a fun lighthearted summer read, the kind of thing you can read by the pool or in the backyard. And it's okay if you're distracted or you only read three paragraphs and then put it back down. You are not going to lose the plot. It just sounds super fun. I think I keep saying fun because that's what I love in a good summer novel. Melissa, how about you? What are you looking forward to this summer? I am very excited about the next Louise Penny novel that is coming out at the end of August. Oh my gosh. Right? I cannot wait. What do you know about this one? I've looked up nothing except probably mark the date on my calendar. So this book, this is the 13th book that Louise Penny has written in the Three Pines Mystery Series. Um, it's called The Glass Glass Houses, and I believe it comes out on August 29th. We'll get a countdown going shortly. Oh, seriously, I just love these series. And even though... I will say, Louise Penny, you know we love you. The last book, I thought, you know what? The people who say these are becoming formulaic, I can see you have a point. But I don't care. I love these books. And I'm a Canadian, so I really love these books. So we have talked a lot about new for 2017 books, which, you know, new books are fun. 
They're fun and they're shiny and they're exciting and they get lots of buzz, but they can also be expensive and hard to obtain and in hardcover. And I don't love to take a beautiful new cloth hardcover to the beach. I'd like to take an old junky beat up paperback. So I think that that is just one of many reasons why backlist is awesome for summer. And sometimes we get questions, what's backlist? A backlist title means it's not the author's newest title. That's all. Not super complicated. So now you're in the know. So backlist is awesome for summer, like library paperbacks or catching up on your what I'm sure is never ending to be read list if you're listening now, or just enjoying a book that you've been meaning to read for a long time and it's the timing's never been right. Summer is often the right time. Are you reading old stuff this summer? I plan to. I love catching up on my TBR and summer is a great time to get some extra reading in. Is there anything you know you want to read this summer? Any specific titles? One of the books that I plan on reading is The Brothers K by David James Duncan. This is one of my husband's favorite books. I was going to say, I cannot believe Justin hasn't made you read that yet. (laughs) I mean, strongly encouraged you to pick that up long before now. He has been begging me to read it for years. And I started it once and got bogged down by the baseball. Okay, I will say that I really, really love this book. Absolutely a five-star read. However, I never wanted to read it. And I know I'm not the only reader who's experienced this with a book, and maybe not even with this particular book. But while I was reading it, I was loving it. But I never thought, you know what? I just want to curl up with the Brothers K right now. That's how I feel going into it as well. Maybe um, knowing is half the battle? (laughs) Yes, I think that's right. Excellent. What else is on your summer list? Another one that I've been dying to read is Bride's Head Revisited, which has been on my list for years and years, and I've never picked it up. So I would really love to tackle that one this year. And what books from your TBR are you going to catch up on this summer? This is so funny, but as I sat down to think and I looked at my bookshelves and thought, what old books do I want to read this summer? Basically, I want to read everything I impulse bought at a used book sale in my town like a couple months ago now. I spent maybe like 50 bucks on so many good looking books and I got some old um, Rosamund Pilcher and I, I've only read one by her, but I remember, and that was forever ago, but I remember her being like great summer reading. I got some old Elizabeth Strout, like the Burgess Boys and Olive Kitteridge. I've never read either of those. One of the historic home where the book sale was, one of the employees said, She um, plucked a Jamaica Kincaid title out of the stacks and said, have you read this? I love this book. This is amazing. More people should read this book. You should buy this book. And I said, I'll buy that book. So Jamaica Kincaid's on my list. And I picked up some old Kristen Hanna and Jocelyn Jackson, and they also seem like perfect summertime reading. That's my list, which I think I just listed like 4,000 pages. (laughs) On top of everything else. And then, of course, I'll be reading a fall books that are coming out. I like top of my stack now that the summer reading guide is just about out is um, new novels coming from Mary Beth Mayhew Whalen, When We Were Worthy. I cannot wait to read that one. And Lie to Me from J.T. Ellison. Super excited for that. And they're not coming out till September, either of them, but they're going to be excellent summer reading. All right, Melissa, let's close with a burst of rapid fire bookish questions. Okay, you ready? Okay, I'm going to ask you and then you can ask me back. Okay. Best summer reading memory. 
Last year, this is not going to be rapid fire, but I'll try to make it quick. <laughs> Last year, I decided that I needed to create a system for my children to be busy so that I could get more reading in. So I created the idea of a reading challenge for my kids. So they would determine how many books they were going to read in a month. And if they met that goal, I would buy them more books. And then I got more reading in. Nice. How many? So how ambitious were they? How many titles did they want to read? I think by the end of the summer, they had read 30 each. Wow. That sounds expensive, actually. <laughs> Most of those were from the library, and then I would just buy a book kind of at the end of each goal. Are you doing it again? Yes, definitely. Oh, this is my question, but I'm really struggling. Best summer reading memory. I want to say going on vacation with my family to the beach in the Florida Panhandle, and there, this isn't like a specific moment in time, but I remember finishing like three books in two days, the first two days of vacation when you're like, oh, I needed a vacation because my kids were happy and occupied and we were on vacation and all I did was read three books in two days. And I think one of them was actually long and it was delightful. That sounds like magic right there. It totally was. Okay. Paper or electronic? Both. <laughs> Explain yourself. Kindle by the pool and paperback in the sand. Agreed. Although if I am loving a book, I will take it almost anywhere, but then I feel guilty for it. Uh, I know I Instagrammed a stack of library books on the beach once and somebody said, you can take library books to the beach? And I went, oh shoot, are you not supposed to? <laughs> so I tried to treat it with care, but I mean, if you have reading time, don't you want to be reading the book that you want to be reading? Definitely. This is what I tell myself. Paperback or hardcover? Paperback, for sure. I wish every book just came out in paperback. Because why? Hardcovers are heavy. <laughs> and they take up more space. They do. How about you? Hardcovers are so pretty. But I think I'd rather be reading a paperback. They do look beautiful on a bookshelf. They do. They do. Um, paperbacks feel friendlier, and I like my books to feel friendly. But... Yeah, if I want to read it, this is a theme here. If I want to read it, I will take it in whatever format I can get it. Fiction or non? During the summer, fiction. Oh, good qualification. Yes, I love both, but fiction during the summer. There are exceptions, but my reading list is going to be greatly skewed during June, July, and August. The last great book you read? I read This Is How It Always Is from your recommendation, and I just loved it. I have been thinking about it every day since. Mine is Hourglass, which you already talked about. What books are on your nightstand right now? I am reading Untangled, which is a book about raising teenage girls. And I am also reading Passenger by Alexandra Bracken, which is a YA time travel book. It's very fun. I don't know what's on my nightstand. Well, I know I have Common Sense Parenting, which is funny because I don't read a lot of parenting books in recent years. And yet we both said parenting books. I know. And also a book I just finished, Hum, If You Don't Know the Words by Bianca Marais, which is in the Summer Reading Guide, actually. Again, there's a theme here. How do you organize your books? And I should tell the listeners, Melissa is one of the most organized people I know. <laughs> but it's funny that this is one of the things I'm actually not very organized in. Um, I would love to have more space for books in my living room, but we only have one tall bookshelf. So I usually bring the ones... There's a shelf for library books for myself and for the kids, and then also just books that I love are on that shelf, and the rest are on bookshelves in our basement. 
I am actively wrestling through this question of how to organize my books because we have new bookshelves, which if you follow me on Instagram at what should I read next, you have probably seen. And my family moved a couple months ago. Our step one was to take all the books out of boxes and shove them onto the shelf. And now we have to figure out how to organize them. So I don't really know, but I think there is alphabetical order in my near future because I'm really struggling to find things. The rainbow look is beautiful, but definitely harder to find specific authors' titles. I had zero problem with it because we rainbowed the verb, our books, a couple years ago. Zero problem when the jackets were on. But when we took the jackets off to stage our old house, then I could not find anything. I was surprised at what a difference that made. But yeah, that the rainbow is not going to last with the covers off. Okay, last question. If you could take a reading vacation anywhere in the world, where would it be? I'm going to say France. I would love to be in France at a little villa sitting out on a deck looking over vineyards reading a pile of great books. Okay, so this was supposed to be a fun question, and instead, I feel like it's just a baffling one. Like, where wouldn't I want to take a reading vacation? That's very true. Okay, my one of a possible like 8 million answers is I'd like to go to Asheville. I would like to have a nice cabin with a nice view, but also running water and bathrooms and no sand and read my books and go for a hike and read my books and get a drink and read my books and read my books. That sounds glorious. Okay, I'm going to have a different answer tomorrow though. Melissa, this was lots of fun. Thanks so much for coming on to talk summer reading with me today. Thank you. It's been a blast. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Head to the podcast site to share the books you can't wait to read this summer and let us know there what you thought about the books we talked about today. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 79, and it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we covered in today's episode. Readers, we have a great season of reading ahead of us. To make sure you don't miss a single recommendation, go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes and hit subscribe. To get that summer reading guide we talked about today, go to modernmrsdarcy.com slash guide. This is my guide to the 30 best titles of the season because summer's too short to read bad books. It's totally free, easy to use, and tons of fun. That's at modernmrsdarcy.com slash guide. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Anne with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. All season long, we'll be sharing our summer reads with the hashtag Summer's Too Short because summer's too short to read bad books. Tag us there and use the hashtag. We can't wait to see what you are reading this summer. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.